This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to episode 162 of the Level News Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, as Michael put on Twitter, I am joining you, Blue Hue and all. So as you may or may not know, I'm a little bit of a uh, nomad in my house, depending on what the day or evening holds. And I kind of migrate from room to room, recording wherever there's not a sleeping child or spouse. And so tonight I am back in a room that I haven't been in for a while and, uh, you know, no good camera setup. So I just chucked a light in the corner. So it didn't look like I was in a dungeon and I have no webcam <laughs> correction software on my machine anymore. Cause I got a new M one, but yeah, blue hue, big, big blue hue. looks like I'm sitting under, uh, underwater. It's pretty nice. Big blue guy. Yep. 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 Is the blue group looking for a new, Ooh. new member? Maybe you could go and join them. Yeah. Uh, my kids are doing a little mermaid, um, play at school so hanging out with ariel down huh. here under the sea looks good looks good very nice yeah very nice. but uh yeah thanks everybody for joining us we do have a little bit of a shorter episode tonight um there is today tonight depending on when you're listening to this we have done an episode recently right a couple of weeks ago and so there has not been a ton of stuff uh put out on the blog but we are going to fill in with a little bit of community links at the end so you may be lucky if you've been submitting your your items into laravel news you just might get a quick shout out so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. anyway um michael before we start should we talk about hook relay we just should. real quick our friends friends our friends our friends hook relay uh from our other friends honey badger it is webhooks without the pain and suffering that you endure if you've ever had to put your own webhooks together so we'll tell you more about them a little bit later on in the show indeed okay with that out of the way, let's jump right in to releases. We've got Laravel 9.2, which has been released. So they released version 9.2.0 with an array key by method, an eloquent attribute static constructor. And then they also have moved the Laravel cores package into the framework. All right, so let's take a look at this. The attribute make method. So Ari at ARI contributed a static constructor method to the eloquent attribute class, which provides convenience as follows. So if you remember, the attribute class is this new class that Taylor introduced not too long ago, which sort of replaces mutators and accessors, which is uh, mm -hmm. a thing that runs right before you push something into the database or right after you get something out of the database when you're accessing it through your eloquent model. So instead of having to have two separate, two separate methods, you just have a new attribute. Okay, so that's the class we're talking about. And so we have this uh, return a new attribute or the attribute make static constructor uh, allows you to do it without having to new it up, essentially, is it, right? I think that's all it is. So instead of having to mm -hmm. do a new attribute, yeah. and you just say attribute make, which uh, I think... And instead of having instead of having to wrap the whole constructor in, in parentheses yep. so that you can access the methods directly on it. Absolutely. Yes. Good. Uh, we've also got a con contribution from Douglas Medeiros. No, that's not it. Medeiros. Medeiros. Who contributed an array key by method, which works like the collection key by method. So we have collections and we also have this array helper 
uh, which you get by grabbing ARR colon colon key by, right? That's how you're going to get to that method. And so what this allows mm-hmm. you to do is it allows you to pass in an array and then key that array by a particular value inside some of those nested arrays, right? There you go. All right. We also have a contribution by Francisco Madeira. Is that the same person? Nope. Different person. Madeira. <laughs> Another last name that I do, I'm not, not going to pronounce very well, uh, <laughs> who contributed it, it expects output to contain test method uh, to assert that an artisan command contains a substring of output. So when you say hello world uh, to artisan, it's going to expect that the output of that command will contain a particular string that you're going to specify in your test. All right, we've got Craig Morris contributing, uh, adding X headers in development. When using the mail always two methods, this is something we talked about last week. Uh, we had Chris Fidau, our last show, I guess, two weeks ago. Uh, Chris Fidau had a situation where he, uh, like many of us, made the mistake of leaving something production ready inside of a staging environment. And oopsies, he sent an email out to a bunch of people. So Chris had mentioned a method that he uses uh, to fix this, which was to set up a particular table with a uh, database type of black hole, which was interesting. But then somebody came around and said, you know, you can just use this mail always to method and specify a particular field and it will just always set the CC, the BCC, the two fields to that particular email. Okay, so Craig Morris contributed adding headers in development when using that mail always to method. So when using this method in development environments, the original two CC and BCC are lost. It's completely gone, right? Because it's getting replaced. So that sort of defeats the purpose of being able to determine that an email goes to a particular user's address, right? You're not sure how to do that. How do you test that now? Well, what this does is it adds the original two CC and BCC into an X headers header in the email so that Mm -hmm. the information can be retrieved uh, but also prevents the email from being sent to those recipients. Uh, so it's used for a full debugging and for testing when using that always too. Okay. We've also got this integrate Laravel cores into the framework. So Dries, uh migrated the fruitcake slash Laravel course package right into the Laravel framework. The main reason was that they wanted to remove a circular dependency that they rely on uh, so that they could eliminate a different dependent, another dependency uh, of the Laravel skeleton. Mm-hmm. Yori Yori Bovin contributed a between first method, which gets the smallest possible portion of a string between two given values. Ooh, this is an interesting one, Michael. What is this? So this is if you've got if you've got a string where you know, say the the start and the end, or if it's got a common prefix and a common suffix, and you want to find the first matching string of characters between them. That'll that'll go in there and, and give you the details that you need. So the examples that we've got here, uh, if you've got a string that is square bracket A, closing square bracket A, B, and then opening square bracket B, closing square bracket, if you were to say to give me the first string between, well, the, small, the first string portion between on the left, a square bracket, and on the right, a square bracket, it will match that first A rather than matching the entire string and everything between the outer mm, okay. characters. Sure. So it's good if you're you know, trying to match patterns, if you've got SKUs or if you've got some kind of uh, product reference that you know is always going to have some value at the start and the end and you want to, you know, short of using regular expressions and you want to sort of plug something out the middle of it. 
um, then then this is a a simplified sort of approach to doing so. It's a non-greedy string um, match examples, between, yeah. 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 So the I mean the examples are a little bit contrived in terms of what they're showing, but I think that um in general, like if you don't want to reach for a regular expression, if it's if you know that it's just a very simple string match, then this is something that you can have a look at as well. Yeah, I would be interested in looking at like the actual PR, which he maybe would specify some of the more concrete examples that he would look at mm. for how he would use that. Okay. Allow specifying a custom message for rule objects. So Ryan Chandler contributed this. So rule objects are like custom validation rules. And now you can specify mm-hmm. a custom error message when validating with a rule object. So uh, previously you could not do that. All right. That is the list of changes between 9.1 and 9.2. You can read the rest of them in the change log GitHub. Ooh, that was a big one. All right. What do we got next? Next up, the Laravel Origins, the documentary, was finally released after lots of, you know, teasing Big and sharing and trailers and things like that. So it's a brand new documentary from a company called OfferZen, and it covers the history of Laravel and how it went from being nothing and unknown to being one of the most popular, if not, I think, probably now the most popular PHP framework that is in existence. It featured Laravel's creator, Taylor Otwell, and many others who've contributed to making Laravel the technology and community that it is today. Uh, this goes over the 10-year journey from, from when it was first conceived, from the naming to the, you know, everything that's gone on around it in terms of uh, the people and, and the, you know, the conferences and the packages and the creators and, and all of the, the, you know, the good stuff that's happened in the community. Um, so it was filmed at the end of last year. As I said, produced by OfferZen, directed by Dual Brand, and had shoots in the US, Canada, UK, Australia, Portugal, Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, Austria, and in Egypt. So they travelled around and they spoke to a whole bunch of people. Um, there was a bit of there was a bit of discussion back and forth on Twitter um, and in a couple of other different places online, talking about how it was very sort of only looking at the the good bits of Laravel and how you know there were people that weren't that weren't spoken about and things that weren't spoken about. They filmed a lot of content um, and they condensed this all down into a 30-minute documentary, which is obviously not going to do the wider scope of things any justice. So Taylor Taylor tweeted that he will always have ha- love having it as a documentary, as a keepsake to look back on when he's an old guy. But um, yeah, he wanted to know. He wanted everyone to know that he appreciates and loves every one of us um, that is part of the community uh, without you know people out there in the community building stuff and sharing stuff and teaching stuff and helping each other and all of all of that that does go on in the community outside of you know the the Laravel company and the core contributors and and things like that then you know we wouldn't be where we are and you know speaking on on people like you know Jeffrey in in terms of teaching and building Laracast and Matt in the early days and Dale Reese and and all those kinds of people that sort of rocketed Laravel into stardom but not speaking about all of the people that are in the community now, you know, the, the Luke Downings and the Aaron Francis's and, you know, Steve King or Steve McDougal, sorry. And all of, all of those other people that have just come along for the journey. And, and, and it's, it's not always the same people. It's people always coming through and up and, and into the light. Um, and, and of course, obviously lots of people that are just going around their day-to-days and their jobs and and changing their lives basically using Laravel. Um, Jordan Dalton, who yeah, I saw that we've known he's he's been in, around for a while. He posted a, a nice little video talking about you know how he was on the the brink of basically bankruptcy and now you know Laravel was giving him 
opportunities and, and, you know, a new lease on life in terms of um, work and being financially secure and having a, a roof over his head and things. Like, and it's those kinds of things that, that we see a lot in the community. So don't, don't think that, you know, obviously there's, the, and, and the offers and people have said that they've filmed enough content to sort of fill, you know, hours worth of documentary. So um, maybe we'll see another version of this or like an extension cut, later on yeah. in the future. Editor, but, editor's cut. Yeah. Ed, director's cut. Director's yeah, cut. it was there the 12-hour edition, yeah. you know. So, um, um, yeah. yeah, it was really good. Check it out if you haven't already. It's it's a 30-minute, you know, I, as I said, it glosses over a lot of stuff, but it covers off the main things, I think, in terms of, um, you know, the reason why it's popular. Yeah, and for those who haven't been around since, you know, the infancy of the framework there's a lot of things that people unless you're really digging in would probably not know right and so yeah Mm -hmm. it was a good little history lesson too and it was also super encouraging to hear from taylor himself like he's like i'm the captain of the ship like this is the titanic like i'm going down with this thing like how do we make this great for the (laughs) next 10 years like that makes me feel really good as a developer investing in this framework continuing to invest in this framework because he's not going anywhere right so like yeah. as soon as that sort of confidence starts to wane and people start to like jump ship, then I think that's when you're like, oh crap, like, you know, how long do I keep keep on this train? But this thing isn't slowing down, mm-hmm. really. You know, it's it's continuing to go and it's continuing to grow every year. And Jeffrey Way, so like most yeah. of these things have like a path, right? They go they blow up and then they kind of, you know, then they kind of trend down. And it's like Laravel has just continued to grow in popularity over 10 years like 10 Mm -hmm. years is a long time right and so uh taylor pretty much committed himself to another 10 years you know on the thing he's uh, on the documentary he's (laughs) like i'm going nowhere like how do we continue to make this thing awesome so that was really encouraging to hear too that taylor's got no plans of of giving this up or passing this off even though there is sort of like Mm -hmm. a contingency plan for those sorts of things like he's not he's not planning on doing that so yeah that felt that felt good and and outside of that you know not just as i said the the core maintainers and and the laravel company itself but even even as people come and go in the community there are always others coming you know and and presenting their ideas and and getting their foot in the door in terms of bringing more information and new faces and and you know it it sort of keeps the snowball rolling so to speak yep absolutely well, let's move on to packages then. So the first one we've got here is called Enum Helpers for PHP. So the release of PHP 8.1 brings native enums to PHP, which I have been sort of behind the scenes hacking around making like my own versions of enums just using constants, you know, inside mm-hmm. of a class. Like so I'd have task status and then I'd have constant uh, you know, incomplete completed and canceled and then i would just assign those values to strings or whatever integers whatever and then i could just grab those constants by referencing them uh statically right so just task status colon colon complete and that's fine but it's not an enum as it would be um you know it's just literally a a list of strings and it helps to replace sort of having magic strings sprinkled around but uh enums are a lot more powerful than that but they do come with some trade-offs, essentially. And so what this package hopes to do is it builds on native features, and then it aims to make working with those enums more lovable, as it as it puts it. So mm-hmm. there's a couple traits that they have uh, that are available, and you can add these following conveniences to your enums in any project. Here they are. Uh, there's an invocable cases trait that you can use. And what this allows you to do is get the value 
of a backed enum by simply invoking it. We'll talk about what that looks like. There's a names trait, a values trait, and an options trait. So let's talk about what those look like real quick. And of course, these are all able to be seen inside the readme really simply. But in the invocable cases trait, let's let's define sort of stat, uh, let's define sort of concretely what we're talking about here. If we have an enum called task status, and we're saying it returns an integer, then we are going to have three cases of that enum. We have incomplete, which maps to zero, complete, which maps to one, and cancel, which maps to do to two. Excuse me. Uh, but if you wanted to grab out the value of one of those, that's the integer value represented by the incomplete task status. Uh, you would have to do task status and complete, and then you'd have to do arrow value, I believe is what you'd have to do to get that. And so you'd have that kind of sprinkled around all over. So instead of doing that, now what you can do is you just call task status, colon, colon, incomplete, and then you just invoke it. So you put the parens at the end, and that will then return for you, if you're using this invocable cases trait, the value represented by that particular case of that enum. Okay, next we have how to get case names from enums. So in this case, let's say that you want to build out a, a dropdown that is here are all the different task statuses that you could assign to a particular task. Uh, what you'd have to do is you'd have to loop over each one of those and grab them. So with this names trait, all you have to do is say task status names, and it will wrap those up for you. It'll just grab off the names of those cases uh, and then chuck them into an array for you, which is handy. You also have a values trait, which will grab not the names, but the values attached to those names, right? So in our names example, it would put return incomplete, completed, or canceled. In our values example, which is just test status colon colon values, it returns an associative array of the, of the values, right? And then lastly, we have the options, which does both. It returns the names on the front with their associated values. And so again, basically gives you a list of options in that case for uh, exactly a drop down. So these are um, mm -hmm. things that are not natively available to you on these enums, but it certainly makes working with these native enums much easier. Um, and so this is something that we will for sure be using and we'll be replacing all of our stuff with, which will make uh, doing this a little bit easier because we won't have to append that uh, arrow value on the end of everything. We can just invoke that yeah. stuff and, and call it good. I know we, I know you actually, I'm not sure if this is the same group, or same person, uh, who mm. tweeted about this a while ago? You're like, can I make this a package? And uh, they were like, actually, yeah. I think we're going to. Yep. yep. Yeah, it was them. Yeah, that was uh, Samuel Stansel. Oh, yep. I see it now. Stansel. Yeah, I just I was looking for the name. I was like, mm -hmm. Architect. Okay, I don't see it's Samuel Stansel. Yeah. 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 So they, you know, they they came out with this with this thing and said, you know, this is. I mean, it's it's not difficult by any stretch. I said, like within our little bubble within the Laravel community. We we see this kind of stuff all the time. We're always kind of striving for that developer experience and the ergonomics of using code. So where outside of this, you'd go, well, it's just an array map and you would just map over and we've got short closure. But it's like, you don't want to do that every time. Yeah, yeah, you want exactly. to just get the values mm -hmm. or you just want to get the names or you just want to get a, an array of, you know, an associative array of options. So having it in a package just that you can pull in, that's very lightweight. Like it doesn't do a lot beyond just returning a, a, a mapped array of these things. But it, it just kind of wraps all that up and presents a, a much more concise API to, to using the enums. So one day in the future, hopefully, you know, PHP 8.2 or whatever, we'll see this come natively because it'll just make it that little bit quicker. Yep. But in the meantime, this is a, a nice clean API to, to get you over the line and, and to sort of clean things up a bit in, in your own code. Yep, absolutely. I, I really like it. When he... 
you you know you can if you haven't seen the Twitter thread on it, he really does a good job explaining what the differences are. So you actually kind of have to get mm-hmm. there from the GitHub repo where the GitHub repo then links to the hey here's the Twitter thread I had where he sort of had this revelation of how they could use enums in a in a better way. He talks about the differences. So yeah, good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Definitely cool. Next up, next up. Yep, next up. Yes, next up. We have interact with Telegram bots in Laravel with Telegraph. Telegraph is a Laravel package for fluently interacting with Telegram bots and provides some key features that make it easier to set up and interact with users via bots. It gives the ability to create, add, uh, sorry, create bots, add bots to chats, create new chats, send uh, Telegram messages, attaching keyboards to messages, queue messages via Laravel queues, making Telegram API calls and webhooks to receive incoming Telegram messages. Um, so attaching a, a keyboard to a message gives the user some easy options for responding. So if you've ever used one of those little help or support widgets where it pops up and it asks you, hello, how can I help you? Would you like to yeah, right. um, get support, speak to someone, whatever? Then this kind of gives you those quick fire kind of options. Um, and the package provides a few settings that you can configure via the CLI or programmatically to create chats dynamically. For example, once you set up a Telegram bot, you can register programmatically um, the token and the name. So if you need any more information about this, if you've thought about integrating with Telegram, you can view the Telegraph documentation to get started with the package and view the source code on GitHub. We'll have instructions and all of that for you in the show notes. Very nice. I'm going to have to use this. We um, have a group that plays basketball every Sunday night. And every week I forget mm-hmm. to send out like a poll to see who's going to be there. <laughs> it'd be yeah. nice if i could just automate that or something i mean this it probably doesn't yeah. require something like telegraph i really actually probably just need to set up a thing to say send at poll with whatever mm. options there are to you are banned you are banned from using polls oh my way. word it's, <laughs> especially oh, in telegram seriously <laughs> it actually works great now like <laughs> polls work awesome in telegram now but we have a long a, an old chat that had I think when I asked the poll, it was browser sync or no browser sync. And it was like in the last, you know, five iterations ago of the poll bot. And that thing somehow never got closed. And so forever yeah. and always now we have this poll that pops up when you come into the chat asking browser sync or no browser sync. It's like, end the stupid poll already. Please <laughs> yeah. stop. And there, I can't even tell. We've tried. Oh, You've tried. Every single one of us in the chat tried have tried. And tried. Like we've removed the poll bot from the. It's just, exactly. just we can't go away. Every, and it will pop up every time there's an update. It just returns. Oh, that's what it is. This one, there's an update. Yep. Yep. You're right. I think. I think it must be. But there, there it's is like call. the ability to remove. Like if you click the little, there is an icon that you can click, and it'll make the poll go away. But I don't know how to make it just never yeah, come back. Yeah, me either. So we're just stuck with that forever. Yeah, we'll figure we're it out. Have, this would be like, you know, we had to, when we left Slack to come yeah. to Telegram, mm-hmm. we're going to have to abandon Telegram now to, to something else <laughs> exactly. just to get rid of this. Just to get rid of the poll bot. bot. The, the, the poll bot. But, and, then, and then there'll be poor, poor Andrew Del Preti who will like come in after, yeah, you know, yeah, three exactly. months where he's forgot to restart Telegram and be like, where'd everyone yeah, go? for sure. Where's everybody at? He literally doesn't ever check in. Because <laughs> the other day he said, hey, just want to, you know, it's been a while. Just wanted to make sure you guys are all still alive. Mm-hmm. And every person just in turn responded, alive, alive. Yeah, alive. I'm alive still. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for checking, Andrew. That's all we got. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So next, moving on here, we have this really interesting package, uh, which is called Blade Emerald. So if you've been around for a while, you remember a tool called Emmet, and what Emmet allows you to do is it allows you to really rapidly write out HTML documents using this structured 
sort of language to make it happen really fast. So for example, if you wanted to make a div with a class of call, followed by a child div uh, with a class of alert and alert success with a role of alert, you would type div.call, which is that first div with a column class. And then you'd write arrow, and that's child, div.alert.alert-success, which is put a div in there with these two classes, and then role equals alert. So you're basically writing almost what you would write in your CSS. And then when you press tab, it would auto expand it to just write that HTML out for you. Really freaking handy if you're writing out a bunch of HTML and a bunch of classes and you don't want to have to actually do the writing. You just auto, you just write it in Emmet and you press tab and it auto expands to that. Okay. So mm-hmm. this is a take off of that because what Blade Emerald does is it provides Emmet like abbreviations to generate and wrap Laravel Blade components with markup. Okay. So hmm. what it does is it uses an X markup component, Blade component that accepts as an argument an Emmet abbreviation. So think if you will, hmm. you have X markup, and then as an attribute, you have make equals, and then inside there, you provide that Emmet string that we just talked about. Div.call, arrow, div.alert.alert-success, role equals alert. You put that in there, and now whatever goes inside of that X markup component will get wrapped with whatever that would expand to. Right, it's going to automatically generate that HTML and wrap around that markup that you have in the slot of that component. So it makes it really easy and convenient to get nested markup uh, with these Emmet style code abbreviations around existing content or other components. Right. So let's say you have something that's already you already have a component, and you, instead of having to modify that component itself, uh, you could just mark uh, you know wrap it in this x dash markup trait. And away you go. It's really interesting. There is some useful examples for inspiration inside of the README, how you can use it with Bootstrap or Alpine or any other HTML output needs. So, you know, I'm not sure. It seems like one of those things I said in our I said in our chat the other day. It seems like one of those. It's a really sharp knife, and we mm-hmm. in Laravel like sharp knives. But the thing about sharp knives is you just have to be careful with them. So we're totally fine saying like, hey, here's this tool. Use it as you please. Uh, But you could get yourself in trouble, I suppose, with this because, Mm -hmm. you know, you could generate something really funky and not maybe recognize it if you if you didn't know what you were doing. So Mm -hmm. really, really interesting. I'm I'm interested to look at the examples uh, for other stuff that they might be using this for. The Alpine stuff looks uh, or seems interesting to me. Um, but yeah, definitely go do a little bit of further reading on this if that sounds interesting to you, but cool mm. work. It's definitely the kind of thing that I would need to use, like put into the editor and, and work through to, to see what it's actually yeah. doing. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting, interesting idea. I it think. is. It is interesting. Absolutely. I agree. Speaking of interesting ideas. <laughs> Speaking of. If you have ever had to integrate your apps with third parties like Stripe, GitHub, Slack, or Trello, and wanted to have quality webhooks that look just like Stripe's as an example, there's more to just sending the JSON payload to a customer's URL and calling it a day. That's where Hook Relay comes in. Hook Relay is a service that makes sending and receiving webhooks reliable, secure, and transparent, and even happening for you automatically. Users are amazed at the visibility they've gained into their webhooks, because without Hook Relay, you have no idea how many requests you're processing, 
But with Hook Relay, you can watch your traffic, inspect each request, and much, much more. It's like having X-ray vision into your webhooks. Of course, if your app or your integration partners are being flaky and their services are going up and down, you'll have the peace of mind that comes with knowing that no matter what happens, Hook Relay will make sure that your webhooks are delivered where they need to be. You can skip days of grunt work by rolling your own webhook system and get reliable webhooks for your app in minutes and not days. You can go to hookrelay.dev to get started and check webhooks off your to-do list. They've got pricing starting at $0. That's right, $0. Mm-hmm. And you get 100, 100 cent webhooks per day. So definitely check them out. Again, that's hookrelay.dev. Awesome. Thank you, Hook Relay, for sponsoring the show. Okay, we have now got another package which talks about how you can use a monologue and a different configuration to send your Laravel application logs to AWS Kinesis Stream. So the Laravel Monologue Kinesis package makes this really simple. Once you've configured a Kinesis service in the config slash services.php file, you can set up a logging channel inside the config slash logging.php file. This is really handy. We use something like this to send our logs over to PaperTrail. And so the logging platform that Laravel uses is incredibly powerful. Log4j, I think is what it's called. Uh, no, that was no. a joke. That was a joke, folks. Monologue. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> For any of you who Stop had it. to deal with that log4j nightmare, I apologize. Hopefully we never have to deal with that over in Laravel PHP land, but I kind of mm. doubt that's going to be the case. But some someday somebody's going to come out with a zero-day vulnerability and we're all going to have to scramble to update our logging packages. But not today. That is not today. But no, we really do have a really powerful logging package underneath the hood, um, and that's Monolog. Uh, it used to be that you only would have one or a couple ways that you could switch out how the logging was being done. You had like single, which was just there's just one file that you're going to log to, right? And it was called Laravel.log. And then there's daily, which says I'm going to write a new log every time the day changes. And then there's also all these other other drivers that you have available to you now, which I think Paper Trail is one of the ones that's sort of integrated just by default. It's available for you, and all you have to do is kind of provide an endpoint. But this provides another one, this monolog Kinesis. So if you're wanting to forward your logs over to AWS Kinesis and get them set up over there, this package makes it really easy to do so. So check that out if that's something you're interested in. I've not actually heard of AWS Kinesis before. No, I looked at it and I didn't really, as as with most new Amazon services, I don't really get, like it, it's an easy way to collect, process and analyze real-time data. But it's also talking about, um, you know, processing, streaming data at any scale and talking about video and audio. But I guess it does, you know, application logs and website mm-hmm. clicks and, and things like that. So I guess it's just a way of taking that data and especially because monolog is a consistent format. So you'd be able to parse it out. This is This is an issue that I've had previously where you know you can you can use the laravel logger liberally throughout your app you know you can log all kinds of things but unless you come up with like a consistent way of what you're passing in there you kind of just end up with json and then sometimes you'll say like this is for customer id blah and you'll put that in the message and sometimes you'll say did this thing for customer and put the customer id in sort of like the context array after so i guess if you can put that into Kinesis and then have Kinesis interpret all of that information so that you can go and search, like show me all of the logs for this customer or whatever. So you can pull out checkpoints and things like that. You know, obviously the Laravel log file, the Laravel.log, which is the default uh, configuration when you, when you ship a Laravel application is, is fine. If you've got one server or you're not on serverless, once you start needing to look outside of it or 
you are like really actively using it for for logging checkpoints for applicate you know users working their way through your application having something where you can process you know a little bit more rigorously and being able to have people search like there's an issue with the application and someone comes to me and says hey what happened here is you've got to go and look yeah, through log files right. hope that it hasn't been rotated out or destroyed or whatever where if you can put it into something like kinesis um or paper trail or whatever then then that's definitely something to to look into especially if you're already in the amazon ecosystem you know if you're using it for everything else then it's another thing that's probably a little bit more robust i would say than just using cloudwatch there's one other thing. So like as I'm looking at this, I've noticed I, I noticed that this is something that I'm doing with Paper Trail right now that you could probably do with Kinesis. So in Paper Trail, I was being lazy and I thought, you know what? Like I could write a mailable for this particular thing when this happens, but I'm not going to because I don't mm-hmm. know how important this is going to be. So all I did is I just set up basically a watcher in Paper Trail that said, anytime you see a log that looks like this, it says notify core. And then it has a message after it. Go ahead and compose an email to this particular group and send the contents of that log over to there, right? And Or you could say, do that as a roll-up every day. Anytime you see that, just roll that up and then do that at the end of the day. You could totally do that with Kinesis. So you send everything over in a mm-hmm. data stream to yeah, Kinesis nice. and then you can kind of offload that and say anything you find, something like this, pass it off to a Lambda or an EC2 instance or send it through SES or an SNS notification topic. You could do all of that, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of interesting. It allows you to do more with your logs than just consume them as text, right? It allows you to basically give yeah. give those superpowers as you as you parse them. Uh, so that's that's pretty interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, very nice indeed. All right, next up, this is a sort of a a crossover between package and uh, developer tooling. So Zshow Artisan is a plugin for Zshow, which is the it's now the default on macOS shell if you open up the terminal to help you to run artisan from anywhere in the project tree with auto completion and can automatically open files that are created by artisan the auto completion support works anywhere within the project meaning you can navigate to a subdirectory and still get tab and auto complete support so if you you know if rather than being in your project base directory you can you can sort of go up to um you know storage logs or you can go across to app http or whatever and you'll still be able to sort of artisan tab and it will still give you that completion so this looks up the directory tree to find the artisan the the nearest artisan parent or descendant descendant ascendant prescendant <laughs> parent <laughs> i think Great, it's parent yeah you know <laughs> ancestor right that's ancestor, ancestor, there you go. ancestor that's goes a, up you got it yeah ancestor the nearest artisan ancestor and so you get completion in the correct directory so it doesn't you know, find its way up into a different thing. So, and you you don't need to prefix the artisan commands with PHP or dot slash or whatever else that that you'd have to do for artisan normally. And if you configure an editor, the artisan plugin will open all the created files in your configured editor of choice automatically. Nice. So you can learn more about this one. Uh, the plugin get full installation instructions and view the source code on CodeHub, uh, CodeHub GitHub. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that this is from. Australia's very own jazz art. Is it really? So nice. It is. So definitely check that out. Um, I th- it was made a while ago and it's sort of, it's done the rounds a couple of times now. So it's nice to see that it's popped up. Um, it's definitely s- simplifies a lot of things. If you spend time in the terminal, if, you know, if you're using Laravel Idea or whatever and just creating files like that um, or, or the console, then it's all there. But this gives you some pretty, pretty useful um, auto completion and, and functionality in it as well. So definitely check it out. 
if you have not already, there will be, as I said, links to it in the show notes. Did you say that Z Shell is the default in Mac OS now? It is now. I did not realize that. Since they shipped shipped, uh, Monterey, I think. That's really cool, actually. I've been using Z Shell Mm. for a long time. But I didn't. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Oh my ZSH, which is not the same thing. Oh my Z, yeah. Oh my ZSH. No, that's the package manager plugin right, right, thingy right. on top of yep. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was like, what? They mm-hmm. shipped that? No. Okay. Z shell though. Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. On to tutorials, my friend. Uh, well, we have a tutorial from a hacker, Mr. Stephen 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 Reese Carter. Stephen is a security consultant, and he has been a part of. Um, Laracons for the last two Laracons. I think he has a course called Laravel Security in Depth, where he teaches developers about security concepts and how to think like a hacker. So he's basically disclosed a couple different things in the last uh, few Laracons that are, hey, here's some ways that people could hack your app. So be careful. And so in this article, he talks about why you should never trust your users, right? Primary goal of the developer is to gain the trust of our users. We want them to trust our code, trust our apps, trust our brand. If they trust us, they'll keep coming back. And they will trust everything else will work. Their data will be safe and that we're not wasting the time. However, as a developer, we absolutely cannot trust our users. So we're talking about their input, right? How do we validate the input that's coming from a user? So he talks about some assumptions that we typically make with how we uh, you know, handle user data and how we need to be careful about how we handle that user data and some really good things to make sure we're remembering. In addition, he talks about uh, using parameterized queries when we're hitting the database. So if you ever use that DB raw, all of us would think of probably had to use that once or twice. There are mm-hmm. some really important things to think about if you're ever going to use DB raw, like making sure that you're not using user provided data because they could do some nasty stuff inside your database, like dump everything. Little Bobby tables. Have you ever seen that XKCD comic? Uh, mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. And so uh, Little Bobby tables drops all of the student records for the entire school year at uh, the school that he goes to. It's a funny comic. Anyway, (laughs) uh, basically, this is talking about how to handle these inputs by escaping them and uh, making sure that we are escaping output safely. So yeah, it's a good article. And I think it's definitely worth a read. Absolutely. It covers off a lot of different stuff. So um, and Stephen's spoken at a couple of Laracons on the same topic now as well. So definitely check them out. Those those presentations out if you haven't seen them already. Yeah, he even talks about things like Max which is not something that I use a lot, right? But this idea of defining a max limit on the inputs to make sure that you don't overflow mm-hmm. your database columns and then cause your database mm-hmm. to Exceptions. Yeah, crash out when it's trying to save this different mm-hmm. data. I usually just like, hey, yeah, first name required. Yep, throw it in there. And then I, there's no max on it. It's just, you know, every once in a while, I'll get this yeah. message in Sentry like, hey, somebody tried to put in something that was way too large. It's like, oh, I accidentally put the yeah. description in the first name column. That happens, right? You get that You get that truncate, truncated you got it. column yeah. exception. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay, folks. Well, that is the show today. That is everything. Do we want to talk about some of these links? What have you got? You yeah, said you I just a saw things, a couple of them. So if you ever used um, Stripe to handle stuff, you know that mm-hmm. they also have a partner Plaid. And Plaid sort of allows you to hook up to different bank account providers. I'm not sure if it's just US or if it's other, you know, banking providers. I've as not well. heard of it. Yeah. So, so Plaid essentially mm. allows you to validate that somebody owns an account at a 
institution at a banking institution, right? So um, if somebody was to grab a check of yours, it has like a routing number and it probably has your account number Mm -hmm. on it as well. And with those two pieces of information, they can pretty much set up an ACH transaction from anywhere, right? Or previously could, right? And so a safer way to allow people to do that is to uh, use something like Plaid, where it essentially says is give us your username and your password. Uh, You basically do an OAuth with your bank. And then it says, okay, we'll get that information from your bank then using the secure connection. And then you can basically uh, stop that access at any point. And so they don't have your your your, your numbers anymore that they could um, use to make those charges. So that's what Plaid is. And so there's a package out there for Plaid by Abiva, Abivia um, that was created. So that was interesting. I read, I read that a little bit. There is a new course and a video. Uh, about Alpine JS versus jQuery versus vanilla JS. So if you're coming from jQuery land and you're wondering, uh, what is this Alpine and uh, should I be using that? That's an interesting sort of comparison that you might look at. Mm-hmm. It's from the Laravel Daily guy. How do you say his name again? I always forget. Pavilis? Pavilis. 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 Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. his name is, however you say that. He's pretty, uh, he he puts out like content like every single day. That dude is every insane. Time. Yeah. yeah, he's been doing it for a while now. So he's really prolific with uh, his stuff. So that's pretty cool. And I think those are the only two I saw that I was talking that I was going to be interested in talking about. But some of the other ones that are on here yes. were already mentioned uh, in our in our show so far. Mm-hmm. They were they were as like official things. They got picked yep, up. Exactly. They got picked up by everyone's favorite human. Yes, so. Mr. Paul Remnant himself. Well done on writing some good content. People. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, that is the show. Michael, any further comments before we close this? close this one out nothing i've got nothing please stay safe everyone please remember that we are in tough times and that not everyone is coping with everything that's going on it's been three years of pandemic there's political unrest all over the place there's the uncertainty going on in ukraine at the moment so everyone stay safe think of the people that you work with think of the people in your communities think of the people that are affected most directly by what's going on in the world and help out in any way you can. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, good good idea, man. All right, folks, this was episode 162. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news slash 162. If you like the show, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate it up in your podcatcher pod of choice. Five stars would be amazing. Hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. Until next time, folks, we'll see you. Bye. Bye.